Oh, great to see you. I've got to tell you, would you, would you agree that... <laughs> Thanks, Peter. Thank you. Peter just said, I don't need a watch. Uh, I need a calendar. <laughs> I think there's an opening in children's ministry this morning. Um, <laughs> I, do, I do have to tell you, I, you know, I think an evidence of grace is when we get to set the clocks backward. But isn't it an evidence of the fall that we have to set the clocks forward? I just, wh- wh- who comes up with these things? Um, but Keith, in all of his love for you, you know, he said, you know, every, we, it, the way you say it is we lose an hour of sleep when we set an hour. So Keith invited me to preach today because he loves you. And he wants you to get that hour of sleep back. And um, so I am more than happy to serve you. <laughs> um, I do want to tell, and I'm so sorry, this is your, I wish your past, I wish you could have heard some good preaching for your last Sunday here. Um, so we, count today as your last Sunday for fellowship. Count last week's message as your last Sunday for good preaching. Um, you know, I do want to tell you, um, you know, if you're visiting today, I've known the men that serve on staff here for years. We've, we've been gone 18 years, 18 years. And I've known the men that serve here, some of them way before that, the board way before that. We were on staff here for six years. Um, And I was just thinking this morning, Lord, this is a staff of heroes to me. And and it just, you can go down the list of the pastors and the administrators in this fellowship. And there's fruit, there's longevity. There's a fruitful longevity to what God is doing here. So if you're visiting today, I, I really want to encourage you. You got to come back at least one more Sunday to hear them. Don't judge them. <laughs> come back next Sunday, okay? But I would love for you to meet them. Um, and here, my hope today, here's my hope. Boy, Christ is proclaimed so wonderfully here, isn't he? Here's my hope. That it, you have the joy of hearing Jesus clearly through them. You know those, those echoes, you know, when you're standing in a, over a canyon and you, and you say, Jesus, 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 Jesus. I hope that I can just be one of those little echoes today. Your pastors, that's the primary voice. But I pray that maybe God would just give us some grace that I could be just one of these last little echoes that just reinforce all they've been teaching you over these past few years. Um, this morning... Guys, we are going to turn, if you would turn in your Bibles to the book of Jonah, uh, chapter 3. We're going to take our time unpacking the amazing mercy of God in this book. And the message this morning 
is called God's Mercy in Second Chances. I kind of laugh at that title. We're going to see in Jonah's life, it, it refers to a second chance. For me, it's like 772nd chance. Um, I, I, I so relate to this book just because of my own struggles, and I think, I hope that you can find God meeting you with grace in this too. So to begin with, let's just talk about revival. You know, Keith prayed for Japan this morning. He prayed that there would be a, a move of God reviving Japan with the gospel, with salvation. And um, Jonah 3 this morning is going to put on display for us what some have called one of the greatest revivals of all history. But before we go further, I think it's important we better define revival because, I mean, so many, we're from so many various backgrounds this morning and, 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 and you know, sort of kiddingly, but, you know, there's, you, you may pass a church and there's a marquee and it says revival Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday of this week. And you kind of wonder, does revival take Monday and Tuesday off? I, you know, what, it, what is revival? What does that mean? Um, a dictionary definition of revival is simply this, a renewed interest after indifference or decline. That's okay. But there's, there's, there's a better, there's a better, more biblical, historical definition that I think would help us better this morning, and they'll put that up on the, the um, uh, overhead. How about this for a definition? Revival is an outpouring of God's Spirit that compels both prayer and the preaching of God's Word. And that brings about an abhorrence and repentance of the sin once tolerated or rationalized away, resulting in an overflowing delight at the mercy of God. Well, this morning we're going to discover that Jonah needed a revival in his relationship with God as a prophet, as an Old Testament believer. He needed a revival in his relationship with God. We're going to discover Nineveh needed a revival in order to have a relationship with God. And God is going to wonderfully marry the two this morning before our very eyes in, in, in Jonah chapter 3. But, but let's start with us. Let's, 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 you know, sometimes we wait for an invitation. Don't wait for an invitation. Let's, let's, let's come right now to a sense of of where is my heart? How, is, how am I doing in this regard? I came across some questions that I think are helpful questions. And the way this was, was, was presented is you can tell that you may need a bit of revival in your own soul when prayer ceases to be a vital part of a professing Christian's life. Would you need a little bit of reviving in that area? How about this? When the quest for biblical truth ceases and one becomes content with the knowledge of Scripture already attained, that, that God's word, it's not the meal it used to be to you. It's still, from heaven's side, it's still the best meal you'll ever have. And yet your taste for it seems to have waned some. Could there be some need of reviving in your heart? When earnest thoughts about the reality of eternity and the eternal condition of my lost loved ones or the people I work with or my neighbors, uh, when those are no longer moving my heart, 
when there's not some sense of, of uh, uh, unease with their lostness. Spurgeon used to say, if you can rest, if you can rest with these people being uh, lost, they'll be able to rest quite easily too. I don't want to rest. And, and so much. Jen and I will be married 25 years next Tuesday. Next Tuesday. Married at Lakeview Christian Center. We're so, so excited about that. Um, our family, we've been married 25 years, and no one on her side of the family has yet come to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And do you ever get to a place where you start to kind of just, oh, maybe, I, maybe they're just not going to get saved? That's one of our Ninevehs. That's one of the areas where, oh, God... We need reviving in believing that the gospel is the power of God unto salvation and that the Lord is more mighty to overcome man's resistance than man is able to resist. I have to stand on that. Oh, God, revive my heart. When I, how about this? When I'm not rejoicing in the blessings of God upon others, but instead I'm secretly envious, I'm resentful, maybe you need some reviving. When aspirations for Christ-like holiness cease to dominate my life and my thinking. When I hear the Lord's name used in vain and I listen to spiritual things mocked and eternal things spoken flippantly of. And, and I'm not moved to some sense of indignation. When I watch degrading movies or television, read morally inappropriate literature and I'm not grieved in my heart. I don't shut it off. I don't walk away. When I find more delight, I find a little bit I'm intrigued with gossip and discord more than I want to lay my life down to pre preserve the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. Maybe I need some reviving there. Now, aren't you so encouraged? <laughs> now, let's bring grace into all of this. There, is there any one of us that, that got 100? Anyone got an A on this test this morning? Did anybody get an A? I didn't. Grading on a curve, I wouldn't have done any good on this test. This is, this is where, do you remember the title of the message this morning? God's mercy and second chances. This whole walk of sanctification, this whole grace walk, is that as these things wane in our lives, aren't you glad that God is merciful? And aren't you glad there's still a plan for us? To move forward. So my guess is then that every one of us, every Christian in this room, finds himself in need of help in at least one of these areas. And so the text this morning, here's, here's if we want to call it the main point, uh, uh, the main statement of the morning, is that God's mercy offers a second chance to his people so his people can offer the second birth to the nations. And that's where we're going to head this morning. So hopefully you'll hide that in your heart. Um, to, to, I want you to feel the weight of what, what this introduction to chapter 3, it, it feels like. What, I, I want you to almost, as best as possible, Lord, help me to, to, to say this in a way that, that helps all of us feel the amazement of the first verse of chapter 3. So to, to get a sense of that, remember that the main point of the book of Jonah was not a fish. That's not the main point of the book of Jonah. The main point of the book of Jonah is that God is relentless in mercy. He's relentless in mercy. 
And, and so for any of you who feel like you're the chief of sinners like me in this room, that's the best news I could ever tell you this morning. God is relentless in mercy. And so his heart is set upon Nineveh. His heart is set upon Nineveh. And as we're going to describe this in just a minute, you'll be amazed. How could God's heart be set upon Nineveh as evil and horrible and sinful as Nineveh was? And so we'll look at that in just a minute. But you know what, what the Lord loves to do? The Lord loves to make his people merciful in order to then be ambassadors of his mercy to others. God, God's not interested, guys, in us just having our programs. We do Crossroads in, in Midland. It's a shorter version of Alpha. And it's just so easy. Now that we've done Crossroads several years, it's easy to do it just because we've done it. Have you ever kind of struggled with that with Alpha? It's easy to... It's amazing how I want to remove faith from the equation of my life. I love control. And I love to... Well, I've done this before. I don't need faith. I know how to do this. No, I don't want to... Oh, I don't want to go there. I don't want to go there. And what God's wanting to do is he's not wanting you to give the gospel because you've given it before. God's wanting you to give the gospel because you've received the mercy of the gospel. And now with a mercy-driven motive, you've received this kind of grace. And now as I share the amazing gospel of Christ, it's coming out of a heart amazed by mercy from me. And so there's the story of what God is doing in this wonderful book of Jonah. God's relentless, and he's going to get the, mission, the message of mercy to Nineveh, but God wants to make his minister merciful. And that doesn't always come easy, does it? Mercy is not a quality you and I will come by naturally. Mercy is a supernatural identification and union with the God of all mercy and the God of all grace. So that's, that's the heartbeat of this, of this passage. You know Jonah totally takes that mission, and he's called to Nineveh, and he goes to, he's called to go bring repentance and mercy to Nineveh. And instead, Nineveh is Iraq. And so if you kind of get a picture of that, we're, gonna, we're, we're being called to go. My background is Arabic, but it still is intimidating to me. To, to be, let's go to Iraq, and let's tell them to repent. Yeah, that's great. So Jonah goes to Spain. Tarshish was, was on the way, on, as he's trying to get there, he's going completely opposite. Have any of you ever done that? God has asked you, listen, I, Jonah gets on one boat. I call it the USS lack of mercy, right? <laughs> Jonah has one boat he gets on. Guys, I have a whole fleet of those boats. And I don't have to go, I don't even have to leave Texas, although Texas is a nation unto itself, but um, I don't even have to leave Texas. If I see someone in the hallway, have you ever done this? I get on the USS Lack of Mercy and I cut into a room. I, if I don't want to be merciful, I, it's amazing how disobedient I can be. I don't even have to, listen, I can even talk to your face and be lack of, a lack of mercy toward you. My heart can be disengaged from you. I don't want to live that way. And, and, and this is, I love the story of the second chance. So, so Jonah, he gets onto that boat. You know the story. And the, the storm comes, and Jonah's asleep in the bottom of the boat. And, and, and now they wake him up. There's so many pictures of Christ. Remember, boy, it's fun to put, to put your New Testament and Old Testament together. Remember, there was, a, there was another man asleep in the boat in the New Testament. Interesting. People, wake up, both stories. Wake up, wake up, we're going to die, we're going to die. 
both stories, right? Call out to God. Call out to God. This story, the storm stops, and the men in the Old Testament story, the pagan sailors, are more fearful of God after that than they are the storm. Jesus was asleep in the boat, and they wake him up, and he stops the storm, and the disciples are more fearful of God than they are the storm. It's amazing, the parallels. Jonah gets thrown into the sea, and through one man's sacrifice, those sailors were saved. Do you see some of the parallels? Jesus gets thrown into the storm of the judgment of God against our sin, and through his sacrifice, souls are saved. It's just an amazing, amazing story. Well, the, the story goes on, and as Jonah is sinking to the bottom of the sea, he knows he deserves to die. Listen, this morning, are you, more, are you more connected with your failures than you are God's grace? I'm going to guess a bunch of us are. I'm going to guess that there were those of us who woke up this morning and you are more familiar with how you yelled last night at your kids, maybe the fight you had with your spouse. Maybe you gave in to something where you, you did a sort of half-truth, half-lie sort of thing and, you, and it's, it's haunting you. You know you've fallen short. Have you ever been hesitant to pray to God because you just, I'm, I'm just getting what I, what I deserve? Why should I pray? I guess I, I got to just put up with this. Jonah's going to the bottom of the sea. He's getting what, he, what his sins deserved, and he cries out for mercy. God, save me. And then the big gulp takes place. <laughs> Do you know the fish is good in the story? I mean, it's amazing how many people I talk to, and they think the fish is the bad guy. The fish has a name. The fish's name is Grace. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a wonderful way to teach your kids. This is a fish named Grace. Jonah is crying out, save me, Lord, and the fish gulps him up. God saves him through the fish. He's not saving him from the fish. No, no, no. He's saving him with the fish. Now, here's, now, this is where we're going to get into the whole issue. Now, we'll get into chapter 3 and the second chances. But, oh, guys, I want you to feel this. I want you to see this. How about this? Have any of you ever felt this way? Thank you, Lord, for saving me. I'm so glad I'm saved. And you kind of open your eyes and you look around and you go, this is salvation? <laughs> I, I mean, look, and can you imagine your, your Jonah... And, and you're just about to drown, and now you're breathing air, and you're trying to get a feel for where you are, and, it's, you, and you're in the belly of a fish? This? I'm, so, I'm glad I'm not dead. But this is being saved? Please, guys. The Bible teaches in the book of Job that God delivers the afflicted through their affliction. And he opens the ear of, of the rebellious through adversity. <laughs> That's for me. Because, you, know, you see, I don't need to be saved from my circumstances. I need to be saved from my pride. And I need to be saved by my hard heart. And I need to be saved from my lack of compassion for the lost. And I need to be saved from my demanding to control my world. Those things are much more dangerous than any external problem I'll ever have. And so in those three days, in the belly of the, in the, belly of the fish, what God is doing is he's working on the heart of his servant. 
What God is doing is he's wanting to not only bring a, a message of mercy to Nineveh, he's wanting to make his messenger merciful too. So here's the question. Does Jonah deserve a second chance? God's working on his heart, but is there anything left for me given what I've done? Okay. <laughs> that took way too, you didn't throw a Kleenex at me. I told Keith, I, I want to give a review, but I don't want to, you know, but, and, and I'm sure I went way too long on that. But anyway, so now we're getting get to the heart of Jonah chapter 3, and now I think this is going to mean so much to you. Jonah is going to be restored. We're going to watch his restoration in, in chapter 3, and that's going to be our first teaching point this morning, is that God restores Jonah. God restores Jonah. And so let's go ahead, and if you'll join me in reading the text. Um, actually, you might want to start in chapter 2, verse 10. After all this dialogue with God and Jonah's prayer to God from the belly of the fish in chapter 2, <laughs> isn't this the coolest thing? You might think, God, my, I wasted all this time. There's no... Oh, my goodness. Well, Jonah, while he's in the belly of the fish, it appears the fish is swimming toward Nineveh. Is that the, I think that's so funny. It's just, you know, because here we think, oh, I'm the, I'm the root of all the world's problems. And, and because I've failed, nothing will ever succeed. And meanwhile, this fish is just cruising toward Nineveh, you know. And God's still, and he's not treating our sins lightly at all. But, but listen, when God is caring for his children, even when he's disciplining his children, it's redemptive. It's moving us forward. We're not going backwards when God's disciplining us. It's moving us toward his relentless plan to offer mercy to others, okay? So here is this great story that continues in chapter 3. So the Lord speaks to the fish, <laughs> and it vomited Jonah out upon the dry land. Got to love the ESV there. Then chapter 3, verse 1. These are some of the sweetest words for me. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time. Saying, arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it the message that I tell you. So Jonah arose and he went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, three days journey in breadth. Jonah began to go into the city, going a day's journey, and he called out, Yet forty days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. And the people of Nineveh believed God. I think we could say that. And the people of New Orleans believed God. And the people of Japan believed God. That's what we're praying for. They called for a fast. They put on sackcloth from the greatest of them to the least of them. The word reached the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne. He removed his robe. He covered himself with sackcloth. He sat in ashes, and he issued a proclamation and published it through Nineveh. By the decree of the king and his nobles, let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Let them not feed or drink water, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth. Let them call out mightily to God. Let everyone turn from his evil way. Can you imagine President Obama 
making some sort of a declaration like this. That's, I didn't, that probably sounds wrong. I didn't mean to sound that. I mean, any governmental official. What, what, what would that be like? Oh, my goodness. Um, who, and so he's calling out, everyone turn from his evil way, from the violence that it is in his hands. Who knows? God may turn and relent and turn from his fierce anger so that we may not perish. Who knows? When God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil way, God relented of the disaster that he had said he would do to them, and he did not do it. Well, God is restoring his servant in the early part. You see it, the restoration was taking place in, in chapter 2 in the belly of the fish, and now he's now dusting off the work of this restoration. He's preparing to mobilize Jonah to head to Nineveh. Uh, those three days and those three nights, the adversity that Jonah was going through, God was saving him, delivering him through that adversity. And so you, when you're reading chapter 2, it's like Jonah's just, just speaking psalms. And it's, it's because he knew the psalms. The psalms were alive in his heart. The word was restoring him. Jonah was praying. Prayer was restoring him. But the end of the prayers, you get this sense that Jonah is praying for the chance to make good on his vow to God. But here's the deal. Will he get another chance? And I want you to make this real. I want you to think about this. I, there may be someone this morning, and your marriage, is very, your, your marriage is very fragile right now. And one of the spouses is just going, oh, if you could just give me another chance. We know what that's like, don't we? A lot of us know what that's like. It could be that you've done the, done the best job you could and you made a wrong decision and you, you, you want to tell your boss, if you could just give me another chance, if you could just give me a, the weight of this. That, I don't know that there's, there's anything more that will cause sleeplessness than that. Have you ever gone to bed at night and maybe you fell asleep of exhaustion at, at 11.30, but at 3 in the morning you're waking up and you cannot go back to sleep because you're thinking this decision, my lack of love, my lack of forgiveness, my lack of diligence, it has forever set me in a track and all there's going to be is tears, all there's going to be is failure. All there's going to be is God's displeasure upon me. Can I have a second chance? Oh my. Watch American Idol. <laughs> Randy, can I have a second chance? I mean, it really gets to you. The, this whole culture, this thing of wanting a second chance. I mean, it just, it, 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 it oh. And as the prince of mess ups, screw ups, oh my goodness, this theme is precious to me. God seems willing to restore Jonah relationally. But now here's where the rubber meets the road. Can I be restored to the Lord in service? Could God really use me? I mean, I've really messed up. Could God really use me at Alpha? <laughs> even, if he get, even, even if the blood of Christ has availed for my sanctification and my glorification and I'm carved in the palms of his hands, I know relationally, He's going to bring me home, but have I so messed up that I have no more place to be used of God in the gospel? And that's what's happening here. Remember how serious his crime was. He was willing to disobey God so radically that it put other people's lives at risk. We never sin alone. 
Sin will always affect someone else, but is it, is it beyond the hope of redemption? Should that kind of man have a second chance? Um, Peter, should that kind of man who's, who's denying his Savior, should he get a second chance? Is there any hope to be used of God again? And then we come to Jonah 3.1. The word of the Lord comes to Jonah a second time. I love it. O. Palmer Robertson describes the wonder of second chances like this. God forgets and never holds the thing against you. Think of how wonderful are the implications of that fact for your life. God simply does not hold grudges against people who humble themselves and ask for his forgiveness through Jesus Christ. The very the very issue of God being merciful to us is literally the, the, the tax collector in the New Testament. We hear him pray, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. The word really is, God, be propitiated toward me, a sinner. That brings out whole new depths of color to me. Because it's this recognition that, that I cannot stand before God without an advocate. There's no way. I can't earn my salvation. I can't make up for what I've done wrong. I'm, I'm as sinful as a man can be. He is as holy as, as the holy God can be. And the man is saying, Lord, please, would you provide for me a substitute? Someone who could stand between me and you and advocate for me. Well, you know, after you've been saved, did you know that Jesus is still at the right hand of God making intercession for you? He, he, he didn't just advocate for you as, as, as the Savior of your soul. He's advocating for you right now in terms of your growth as a Christian. He's advocating for you right now in terms of using you. He's at, listen, Jesus is crying out to God for you and the recovery of your marriage. He's crying out, how about this? Any parents feel like you've messed up the first 18 years? And now you're going, oh my goodness, it's 18 years. I've messed my kids up. Is there any, right? My, where's my boys? My boys are going, that's us, Dad. <laughs> Actually, I've got, in spite of Dad, I've got some wonderful boys. Got some wonderful boys. Um, but Jesus is, is interceding for us this morning. And so here comes the second chance. He, understand, this is so huge. Did you notice that the, the, the passage is, well, you didn't see chapter 1. What God told Jonah in chapter 1 and what he tells Jonah in chapter 3, it's almost the same. It's almost the same. I mean, this is so weird. I, listen, I, I have the weird, I have so, I'm so warped. I'm so warped. Because here, when I think, okay, God's going to give me a second chance, it must mean it's second class. You ever been there? I, well, God will use me, but it might be, maybe it's just kind of in the back of the bus sort of a mentality that I just, you know, I'm somehow, I'm, 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 I'm to be seen but not heard. That somehow that, that, that God is not going to use me as uniquely and specifically as if I wouldn't have blown it. No, that's not true. Here in chapter 3, God is coming back to Jonah, and he's saying, listen, you may be experiencing this, Jonah, as a second chance, but this is a God of providence, isn't it? God didn't freak out, did he, when Jonah, when, when Jonah sinned? Did God freak out? No. God didn't make him sin. But in the mystery of God's providence, 
God's not going, oh, Jonah, I can't believe you're doing that. Let's see. And he scratches his omnipotent head, you know, and, and, and he, what, how can I recover as a holy God from your mistake, Jonah, from your sin? Oh, okay, Jonah, I figured out something. Here is your second chance. And see, we do that. Our relationship with the Lord is based upon the blood of Jesus Christ. That is our confidence. And so as God is caring for us, not as slaves, but as sons and daughters, God is working a plan in spite of what the enemy intended for evil. God is working this for my good. And so please, please, when you come to, see, to Lakeview Christian Center, I was going to say Christian Life Center, come visit, come visit Christian Life Center. <laughs> I can put you to sleep in Texas as much as I can put you to sleep in Louisiana. Um, when, when God is, is in calling you, this beautiful list of all these places you could serve in Alpha or Kids Ministry, ever, please, guys, please, don't come in with your head hanging down as though you're some second-class believer in this fellowship. The blood of Christ has cleansed you from all sin. And now God, in molding and shaping you, listen, the, 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 the Puritans used to put it this way, the repentance of a believer can be more notorious than his sin. Isn't that great? Now think about that for a minute. I'll let you think about that for a minute. God changing you will have more impact than your sins and screw-ups did. Isn't that great news? Oh, okay. Oh, my goodness. Okay, so second class is not, second chance is not second class. It's a second chance for faith. Please don't be a control freak like me. In the text, God says, Jonah, I want you to go and I, I'm gonna, I want you to preach what I tell you to preach. You're not going to preach what you want to preach. You're not going to preach what they want to hear. But I want you to walk by faith in this. And so often we do that as believers. We won't move until we understand everything we're supposed to do. We won't, we won't move until we understand what's going to happen. And this is a, when God's opening a door for second chances, it is to restore faith as, as the driving force in our lives. So he calls us to speak what he tells us to speak. It's a second chance for obedience to do what we were already called to do. It, it's, it's not that when God gives you a second chance, he's got to create this whole new agenda for your life. He's taking you right back to do what you were supposed to do at the beginning. That's good parenting, don't you think? I mean, how many times have we had to discipline our kids? And then for some reason, our kids think, okay, now that the discipline's over, I still don't have to do what I didn't want to do in the very first place, right? Maybe dad's changed his mind. Maybe there's an easier task for me to do. Listen, when God restores his people, it's not sloppy. It's not a sloppy restoration. It's, it's here's where you turned away, and I'm going to bring you back to that point. I'm going to give you this new mercy for this day, and what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you grace to obey, this point is still the point. You still need to go to Nineveh. And so he goes in obedience to Nineveh, and he goes quickly in obedience. You can tell there was a cultural thing going on that when you first would come into a city, the first day you would make your, the, the reason for your visit known, you'd get settled. Second day, you'd begin to meet with people. The third day is actually when you'd really do your business. You can tell Jonah, just he's right going out at the very beginning. It says right away. He's preaching what God told him to preach. He didn't wait for some third day sort of a thing. It's a second chance to trust that God's word is sufficient. In Hebrew, 
the message that Jonah preached, get this, five words. I can't say hello in five words. <laughs> five words. Now, I don't know if that was, I don't know if that was all he said. That might have been the summary statement of all that he said. I don't know. But do we really believe the gospel is the power of God into salvation? Jonah preaches five words and the most horrific, uh, visibly horrific city of the time repents. We have 66 books. This was before Christ was crucified. We have a crucified and risen Savior. I don't want to look at Nineveh as, oh, man, those were the good old days when revival really happened. We have 66 books of divinely inspired word of God. Christ is risen and is reigning. Can't we believe afresh for New Orleans? Can't we? So it's, it's, it's about God's word. It's, there's an urgency to it. He says that, that you have 40 days. There's, this is a life and death thing. We can't make it happen. Our, our sense of burden for the person is not going to open their heart. But I do think there has to be some sense of urgency. I was telling Alan, Alan DeSherry, you, many of you have seen Alan grow up in this church, and now he's our pastoral intern and hitting home runs. Every time he preaches, he's preaching this morning. I mean, just amazing. So cool to entrust to the next generation. Anyway, that's a whole other story. Um, Alan and I were just talking about how we give invitations to know Christ in the church. And I said, you know what? I'll be honest with you. I think I've gotten so casual about a holy God and that this is a life and death sort of thing. If I invite you to trust Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I think it almost comes out as saying, would you like to come to a baby shower? <laughs> almost like that. It's, you know, it's an invitation, but it's, you know, it's, a, it's really take it or leave it sort of a thing. No. Oh, I want to I be able to, to see what my sin deserved at the cross. I want to be able to see what Christ did for me in my place on the cross. I want to be able to see life and death in these issues. And I want to be able to, when I call you to trust Christ as your Lord and Savior, I want to, don't put this off. This is a decision that's going to affect your eternity, either eternal separation from God or eternal bliss with God. Oh, please consider Jesus. And that's what Jonah is going in to do. But this is kind of fun. And then we're going to turn to the, look at the revival real quickly. But listen, don't think that, that the witness of God showed up when you did. Okay? I think some of us put a lot of pressure on ourselves to just think, oh, man, I've got to hit a home run in witnessing to this person. I've got to have the exact right words in inviting someone to Alpha. If I don't have it, oh, my goodness, then they're never going to come, and it's all going to be my fault. And, the witness doesn't just show up when you did. Historically, can I tell you what was happening in Nineveh? Here's Jonah. Jonah's thinking the whole world's revolving around him. He's in the belly of the fish. What am I doing? God's working on my heart and all this stuff. Meanwhile, over here in history, there was a total eclipse of the sun that took place just, just not far from that. The people in their pagan beliefs believed that what this meant was that the king was going to be removed from his throne and a replacement was going to come in. There had been famine. There had been earthquakes. And I want you to be thinking about Japan. There were these providential occurrences going on. Now, here is the most amusing, sort of. The people of Nineveh worshipped a, a god named Dagon. Dagon's, the, the image for the god Dagon was, you've heard of a mermaid, but theirs was a merman. 
okay? And so you would see these in their artwork, in the statues and things in the temples, you would see this Dagon God. He was a fish man God. He was, so now are you putting the pieces together? It's kind of fun. So here comes the fish, bottom, 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 swimming toward dinner. And here's all the people, get your children, oh my goodness, look, there's this thing coming. And here comes the fish, he vomits Jonah up from the fish. And your city is a city that worships a fish man god. And this guy's coming out from the belly of a fish. You don't think God's at work? Listen, guys, it is so exciting. Even, even today, you, we are sitting here and the Lord is feeding. I hope he's feeding your faith. I hope so. But listen, do you know that right now God is providentially at work? There's someone at the restaurant that God's been working on. Things have been taking place. And then God's going to vomit you into that restaurant today. You know? I mean, do you, do you see what the kind of the... I don't, I'm sorry, that's... I don't think I like this yes preacher. <laughs> he shouldn't. The ESV says vomit. That's the only, okay, that's the only reason. Okay. Anyway, but so isn't that something? So wouldn't you now in Nineveh, you're, you're seeing all this take place, and this man's coming in with a message from God about repentance. Don't you think you'd probably go, I think we ought to listen to this guy a little bit, you know? Because God is at work providentially even before you get there. That's so neat. Okay, here is the story of the repentance. And this is where we're going let's to, be, let's be in faith. That if this was an Old Testament revival with five words and pre-Christ and cross, oh my goodness, guys, what will God do in this age? What can he do? So in the last part, you begin to see that the people in verse 5 believed God. It just says they believed God. And this, there's, there's a sense in the, in the verbiage that this, they, they were repentant about it. And you're going to see it displayed outwardly. Listen, do you recognize that when, when you've sinned, it's, it's, you've sinned against the person of God. You've sinned against the love of God. It's not that when you think of the cross, you're thinking, I did that. I did that. When I... When I was so angry at my spouse, that's what occurred. It's not just my wife's tears that I should be sorrowful about. It's the Savior's blood. Because this led to that. Those are those things that bring you down to your knees again. And the people of Nineveh believed God. It wasn't about Jonah's words. They believed God. They called for a fast. Literally, just simply, they denied themselves physical appetites in order to heighten their spiritual appetite. They, they put on sackcloth from the greatest to the least. And you got to love this. Sackcloth was a symbol of complete disregard for outer appearances. And so it's, it's, it's you know, they're wearing their, their Nineveh finery. And, and now they're being pierced to the heart. And essentially, here is what's going on in their, in their lives. They're saying, I don't care. I don't care what you think of me. I don't care how I appear to you. What is now the, the consuming passion of my heart is how do I appear before a holy God? And so they're putting this sackcloth on as, as symbolic of their hearts being pierced to the quick. Um, the king makes a proclamation of repentance, and then he steps off the throne. It's just so cool. Essentially, he's saying, what am I doing on the throne? 
There's only one that should be on the throne. And he takes his place among the common people, amongst the sinners, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Are you on the throne today? I mean, that ought to be our statement. What am I doing on the throne? There's only one who's worthy to sit there. They put sackcloth on the animals. Did you, anybody kind of go on? They put sackcloth on the animals. What were they doing? It's because they worshiped animals. And so they're even putting sackcloth on the animals saying, we want to cast down our idols. Isn't that something? See, what gets to me about this is, I, I wonder in my own life, have I experienced repentance in this fashion? They turn from their evil ways. They call out to God. Now, I can't imagine. The people were child killers. They, they offered their children as sacrifices. They were sex addicts. Uh, they were money-hungry people. Um, can you, I, I just can't imagine Jonah when he's walking into Nineveh and he's smelling the stench of the sin and depravity of man and what must have been going through his heart about God saving these non-Jews, these, how, how could I, how, oh. and he goes in amidst those, those great sinners, and God is going to be merciful. I, listen, guys, I think the peril of looking at stories like this, the peril that Jonah was facing was he thought that Nineveh was more sinful than he was. There's the kicker. The reason that we don't share with others when we're put off by them or we're, it, it's distasteful the life they're living is because ultimately you think you're better. You think that what they're doing is worse than what, what you did. And God comes to this depraved people just like he came to Jonah and he has mercy. And this is how we bring, bring this to a close. The, the king said this, <laughs> You can kind of picture him on his knees, calling everyone, let's repent. Who knows? Maybe God will relent. <laughs> I think that's as true a repentance as it gets because we live in a culture that says, if you'll just do A, God will do B. So we've turned repentance into a formula that if I repent, I get joy. If I repent, there's refreshing. But it's still about me, isn't it? Do you notice what he's saying? God deserves our repentance. Who knows? He might relent. But we are called to repent because he's worthy of repentance. Because he's worthy of repentance. Isn't that amazing? He's wondering if God would have mercy. Don't we know a secret? We know. We don't wonder. We know he'll have mercy because of the nail-pierced hands of his son. We know that he will have mercy. Jesus refers to all of this in the book of Matthew. In chapter 12, and he says, Then some of the scribes and Pharisees answered Jesus, saying, Teacher, we wish to see a sign from you. 
But he answered them, an evil and adulterous generation seeks for a sign, but no sign will be given it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The men of Nineveh will rise up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it. For they repented at the preaching of Jonah. And behold, something greater than Jonah is here. <laughs> if they repented at the preaching of a dude who, was th who camped out, bed and breakfast, was in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights, and God used that imagery to bring repentance to that sinful city of Nineveh, then what might happen in New Orleans, Louisiana, when a Savior who is dead three days and three nights in the belly of the earth, having borne the righteous wrath of God that we deserve, and on the third day he bursts forth from the grave in victory over sin and Satan and death. He gives us 66 books of divinely inspired revelation. What will happen to that generation when we preach what he has done? Guys, it's Keith, if the, if the team wants to come up. So the, the story ends that God was merciful, wasn't he? He was merciful. And I believe that as you start in, in Alpha on Tuesday night afresh, God's going to just do it again. Sounds, it's, it's not the right way to say it. But you watch what God's going to do through Lakeview Christian Center in the hearts of so many people in New Orleans, Louisiana. We know God will have mercy. So I, I think in closing, it's some of us need to just freshly believe that the people that we've maybe given up some on, they're nothing. I mean, they're, they're, no. their resistance is nothing. You know? Five words. God doesn't need a lot of words. He just uses his word. And he can open their hearts. But some of, the, some of the others of us, you may just need your own personal sense of that revival of your own heart. That God make you merciful as a part of the message of mercy that he wants to bring through you. So there may be those... Do you think so? You are much better at this than I, so would you please bail me out of this? Um, God bless you, everybody. I sure love you. Jonah was a man who knew God 